time listen i am attempting to kind of climb mount everest here by talking about this next simpsons episode um if you like you can help me out in the comments because this is a particularly dense uh early-ish episode uh that at the time was very very highly lauded by fans uh and even once The Simpsons was in, whatever, season 12, 13, 14, it was still being voted the number one fan favorite uh, in many areas, in many uh, arenas, I should say. Um, yeah, I, do I agree? I'm not sure that I agree it's the best one, but I certainly love it and I want to do it justice. I speak, of course, of Duffless, uh, which just pulls out all the stops. It is very fantastical in places. Uh, the moment that I always think of first when I think of this one is Wiggum in the giant beer stein rolling down the hill and... Uh, bursting into flames. It's like a good example of how fantastical it is. And all the stuff that happens at the Duff Brewery is also just very zany and out there and great. Um, it's extremely packed with jokes. Uh, there is a rather decent uh, B-plot of Lisa experimenting on Bart um, and comparing him to the hamster for the science fair. Uh, and that in itself is, you know, almost as involved and tightly written as the whole uh, no deer for a month <laughs> deal. Um, and really, like most of the best Simpsons episodes pre-season five, it has a heart. It has a very strong emotional core. And that's evidenced just so well in the very last shot. Can you imagine being like me, a Simpsons viewer, to be left with that wonderful image of Homer and Marge together on the little girl's bike singing into the sunset? Um, it's so good. It's, it is really, really good. It's violent. Uh, that's another great thing about it. Uh, you know, depending on how you feel about that kind of thing. Um, <laughs> completely gratuitously, as they're leaving the Duff Brewery, both drunk, Homer, like, hits Barney, like, punches him, hits him with, what, a crowbar or something? 
and slams his head in the car door repeatedly because he's trying to knock him unconscious so that he doesn't drive uh, because he's too drunk to drive. And there's more hitting. Um, Barney bears the brunt of it, like most of the brunt of it. Uh, Mo hits Barney like squarely across the face at the end when Homer is deciding to not drink just for the time being. There are other ways in which it's it's actually kind of brutal. Um, the very first line is in a in Bart's dream sequence. He's dreaming about winning the science fair with the dance party Ray. I particularly like Mr. Largo doing the Freddy in that, but of course Ms. Krabappel does the monkey and you know other teachers like all the teachers do different dances, and they award Bart first prize in his dream. Uh, and that is a foreshadowing of the actual awarding of first prize to him for his lame ass, uh, but spectacular hamster flying a plane idea. Uh, yeah, Skinner, when the episode begins, says, for school with no Asian kids, this is a pretty uh, impressive science fair or something like that. Um, you know, sort of making us think about the casual racism in comedy of the 1990s, including The Simpsons, that The Simpsons was definitely not Im immune from. Um, and it's something that I have been thinking about quite a bit and that in a future Simpsons time special I'm going to be talking about. Um, it's not even true, right? Bart's friend Richard is Asian, I think, right? That's what I always thought. Um, anyway, you know, like, I still think it's a pretty funny line, uh, or I can appreciate that, um, Skinner would say such a thing. You know, and then, uh, they're all zapped and Krabappel can't stop doing the monkey and Bart wakes up to Lisa saying first prize to him in his sleep over and over again. At, you're like standing over him as he sleeps saying first prize, first prize. Um, and that is how it begins. Uh, and yeah, that subplot is quite robust. Like the, the whole business with the hamster, like Lisa going to buy the hamster and all the experiments that he does and the interplay between Lisa and Bart. Um, mad at each other and in competition is really great. It doesn't take away at all from the main story of Homer drinking too much and uh, as a favor to Marge quitting drinking for one month. All right, and it's, I have to do my UFM, my ungrateful fan moment. Um, the reason why, to me, this episode is less than impeccable is twofold. I'm not saying it's not good. I actually am saying it's excellent. But 
Lisa brings the giant steroid tomato to school, and Bart smashes it, you know, throws it at Skinner's ass. I love the animation on Skinner's ass, you know, when he's like swinging it back and forth, tying his shoe. That is great. Um, like, who wouldn't want to throw a big tomato at that? Uh, and, you know, like, that's fine. Like, I accept that Bart would ruin her dreams. Like, why wouldn't he? That's a very natural thing for him to do. But what I don't accept is why Lisa would bring her tomato to the school three days before the science fair. Wouldn't she bring it the day of? Like, I don't understand. Like, it's not explained why after the tomato is ruined, she then has three days to think of another thing. Um, so... That's one UFM. Another UFM is, and I'm sorry that uh, both of them, Lisa has to be the subject of both of these, but when she's daydreaming about how great her Bart versus hamster experiment is going to be, Marge is like, why are you smirking or something? And, and Lisa goes, oh, I'm just thinking about something I saw in Herman's head. And Marge is suspicious, you know, and that is a dig against the show Herman's head. Um, because she wouldn't be laughing at something she saw on Herman's head because it's not funny. Uh, and it's also a sly reference to the fact that Yardley Smith uh, was a, an actress on Herman's head. Uh, and I think that that is a dumb joke that doesn't stand the test of time. And The Simpsons, of course, is allowed to have jokes like this. Totally fine. Um, but... Those are, you know, just little reasons that uh, keep Duffless out of the pantheon of whatever top five episodes of all time. For me. For me. Um, but so much of it is just to be praised and lauded and admired and just loved. Um, David M. Stern, I think, does not get his due as a Simpsons script writer. He also wrote um, Selma's Choice. He wrote Three Men in a Comic Book. And he was a big mainstay of the staff back then. Um, you know, Homer's very sweet parody song about beer. You know, I mean, we really feel for him that, that he loves it. Uh, I think this might be the first time we see not teenage Homer, but young, young Homer, you know, like... 14-year-old Homer or so uh, with the shaggy hair and striped shirt when he goes to the store in his memory to buy beer. And the way that's animated is just so lovely. The sort of pan down, like you see the beer and then you, you pan down and see Homer like reaching for it. Um, and him in his beanbag chair, which he seems to really like back then. Getting drunk and listening to Queen. It's just like it really brings a tear to your eye. Like really as many times as you have seen it, it always does. The Duff Brewery. Let's talk about the Duff Brewery. Um, the happiest fish in the world. This is another way in which uh, this is a very 
impressively zany episode. The fish living in a giant tank of beer and just looking miserable, bumping against the glass and everything. Uh, the gummy beers, the Hitler head in the assembly line. Um, Barney's being sprawled out underneath the duff taps and trying every single one of them. His list of all the different types of duff that they still have yet to try, including raspberry duff and lady duff. Um, the cuckoo clock that is <laughs> the guy who belches the hour. All of this is great. All of this is wonderful. Um, before that happens, we are treated to a very prolonged uh, Homer talking to his brain run, which I always enjoy. Where he doesn't want to tell his family that he's going to duck out early and go to the Duff Brewery. So he's like talking to his brain about like, oh, ha ha ha, I'm going to get away with it. And then he doesn't, of course, because he forgets what to say out loud and what to not. That prompts one of two times in this episode that Homer screams. He screams because he's given himself away and he just needs to leave. Uh, and then he screams again later at the Alc-Anon meeting, as they call it. When Lovejoy very kindly says, well, with your help, we'll make sure, you know, with, with our help, we uh, can ensure that you will never take another drink again. He screams in his like lime green jacket sweater and jumps out the window and shatters the window in the same way as the <laughs> the guy did when the PTA was disbanding he was panicking why he has to go to the meeting in the first place. I mean, he never would want to, right? Uh, is because he is pulled over. by Wiggum in that disguise that I've always already mentioned. And when Eddie and Lou give him the alphabet test, he passes it with flying colors and he's about to be free to go when drunk Barney is like, give him the breathalyzer! Uh, and so that is why he's like court mandated to do this, to, to take these meetings and realize that he has a problem. And it's in this, this whole interplay of Homer being disciplined for drinking too much and his sentimentality about how important drinking is to him um, that the show just really gets it so right. I mean, they get right to the heart of why people drink and they do not condemn drinking. I mean, it's, it's something that people do. And... Um, And they're very good at, uh, you know, conceding that it is 
not always the best thing for someone to drink, b while at the same time making us understand that it's it's fine to love it. Um, of course, everyone loves Homer, so like we sympathize more with him than with Marge in that great bedroom scene where she's uh, asking him questions from the pamphlet, is your, is your spouse a souse? <laughs> uh, but we also sympathize with Marge. Poor Marge. Uh, yeah, you know, like, of course, of course, maybe as a drinker, I am biased, but I do sympathize more with him. Or maybe it's just because he has the funnier half of the exchange, as he always does, because Marge is a fantastic straight man. Um, do you need a beer to fall asleep? Why? Thank you. That'd be nice. Do you hide beer around the house? Do I ever? He has beers in the toilet tank. It is so good. It is so good. And with his inflated sense of reality, drinking a beer in front of the mirror, and watching his pecs dance the can-can. In his imagination. It is not actually happening. But, you know, he, he really, to his extreme credit, he really does. And I kind of feel like in episodes that came a little later, it would not, like, he would just cheat. He would just secretly drink. Um, but in season four, because Dirk-ass Homer does not exist yet, he is, uh, he sticks to his guns, or Marge's guns as the case may be. How much do you guys love the design of Brian McGee? The stranger on Homer's fake ID. I mean, he really looks like a real winner, right? Is there anyone out there listening who did not know the song It Was a Very Good Year before they heard it on The Simpsons? That is something I'm curious about. I know there's a lot of you out there. What's interesting about that is that it can apply to people who are quitting drinking forever and even though Homer's only quitting for a month like he is feeling just so sad about it like it will never happen again uh yeah the whole sequence of things that are boring without a drink I love that boring baseball game that he goes to And uh, the science fair is another thing that he goes to and wishes he had a drink. You know, due to Milhouse's lame experiment with the slinky and all this. This that was this is sort of sets the stage for uh, Allison Taylor and the Telltale Heart diorama, the diorama-rama. It is very much the same 
type of set piece at the school. Fun fact uh, that I found out on my own just by looking at this one over and over again. Behold, as I, Phileas Fogg, go around the world in 80 days. Martin, with the hot air balloon, voiced in this instance by Maggie Roswell, not by Rusi Taylor, and it is easy to tell. For me, there is only one Martin, and that is Rusi Taylor. There's another, there's another ungrateful fan moment for you. And you know, like in future episodes, there there emerges a little bit of a Z story about Nibbles the hamster. You know, this hamster, his career with the Simpsons does not end here. He ends up uh, going up in a rocket and, you know, like all these things happen with him. All right, I, you know what? I better wrap this up. This is such a great episode. Um, it looks like, judging from how many people are commenting about it right now, a lot of you agree that it is excellent. Um, I'll tell you how it ends, you know, spoiler alert. Homer is so excited that the month is up. All his days have been crossed off his calendar. He says yoink when Marge shows him all the cash that he's saved, and he goes straight to Moe's. Which is just a den of Barney being slapped and everyone moping around and just so depressed, like hanging like vultures over their beers. And so he decides not to do it for the time being. I think just for the duration of that final bike ride where they ride into the sunset together. Um, but, you know, be that as it may, it is still Homer exercising even more willpower. And that is to be commended. Um, the whole, uh, you'll be back, and you, and you, and you, where Mo points at the camera is from the movie Reefer Madness. That is a direct reference to that. And you guys, the last thing I'll say is that in these early-ish episodes, seasons three and four or so, I love how Homer's face looks a little different. His skull, his cranium is like a little narrower and smaller. And he has this sort of cute look because of that. Um, I'm reminded of in Bart Gets an Elephant where the bird is grooming his hair. That's a, a freeze frame that's become pretty widely seen and, and popular. That sort of little smile that he has, and uh, conversely, a little frown, I think just looks very beautiful. And we see that a lot in this one. Thank you guys so much, as always, for listening to Simpsons Time. Ma! Keep falling on my head And just like the guy who
I'm Amanda Nazario, and I thank you for joining me for another of these recycled Simpsons-style lectures. Um, very, very briefly, I counted three mistakes that I made in that past lecture. How amazing. So just so you know that I'm not perfect. Um, three Men in a Comic Book was written by Jeff Martin, not by David M. Stern. Although Daniel Stern did a voice in it. Uh, the happiest fish in the world are shown not in Duffless, but actually in Selma's Choice, is when they went to Duff Gardens, not the Duff Brewery, uh, that they saw the drunk fish. Um, and I'm not totally sure that Maggie Roswell voiced Martin in Duffless, but I'm, I know that it wasn't Rusi Taylor. Maggie Roswell has a voice that's kind of hard for me to nail down. Even in um, Alone Again, Natra Diddley, Maud, who gets killed, has lines in that, but Roswell doesn't even do them. Um, so, yeah. I don't know. It's like, who even knows what she sounds like or not? It could have been Pamela Hayden. could have been. Ah, I hope you are having a wonderful week. I will be back next week with another Simpsons episode to rebroadcast and to talk about and for you to listen about. Talk to you later. Bye.